The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. My powers have doubled since the last time we met Count. Hey! Suffering. Death! dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. It's all Obi-Wan's fault. He's jealous. He's holding me back. You don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Aren't the droids we're looking for? Master Skywalker, there are too many of them. What are we going to do? Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. Do my only help. Hello there. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. I, 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 Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, Jedi, Sith, Wookiees, Clones, Bad Batch, and regs alike, and all you Transdotions as well, because this is an inclusive podcast, to another exciting, action-packed edition of the New Force Order Podcast, or Star Wars Podcast. And after 120 plus episodes, if you did not realize that yet, then you're dumber than a box of fucking rocks, and there's no hope for you. And Doc, for those who do not have hope, what can they not do? Uh, they can't build rebellions. Rebellions are built on hope. Rebellions are built on hope. That's right. Because rebellions are built on hope. Anyhow, I am one third of your hosts. I am a pro wrestler. A multi-time champion in a galaxy far, far away. Current heavyweight champion in three different promotions. Who's successfully defending said titles on the Alpha and Omega Inevitable Tour. With the next stop coming on September 11th in Buffalo, New York at Buffalo Championship Wrestling. I am a Star Wars aficionado. Well, most importantly, I'm your boy, Greek God Papadon, a.k.a. G.G.P. And alongside with me, all the way from the Witness Protection Program on Exegol, it's none other than Darth Spiridon, a.k.a. Spiro the Great. So, Mr. Great, it's been great. Hit him with a hey-yo and introduce yourself. Hey-yo. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the talk lord of the podcast, the Sith Ari, the rampaging Reverend Kiss, the Butcher, the most disgruntled Star Wars fan in the galaxy, your boy Spiro. 
And last, but definitely not least, especially today in his little princess's special day, she gave him a little message and said, Help me, Doctor of Thugonomics. You're, you're my only hope. Introduce yourself, sir. <laughs> I am smarter than 21B, more technical than FX7. God of Stealing Thunder. Happy birthday, Kara. And no, it wasn't Daddy who was found face down in the middle of some trout on a train coming back from probably Mexico. Dr. Destroyo, Alex Arroyo. <laughs> some wrestling uh, little news for you there if you didn't see what's going on in the world of uh, professional wrestling professional uh, there's a guy that you may know allegedly it's him in a picture um, he is joining the Mexican muff diving team. <laughs> uh, he likes to go, woo! He is just wheeling, dealing, kiss stealing, limousine, limousine riding, jet flying, muff diving, <laughs> 21 time champion, but the NWA only counts. 16 and WWF only counts whatever 16 time champion uh the nature boy rick flair uh there's a picture circling uh the interwebs of him going down on his uh significant other uh, i don't know if they're married or not i think they are so it might be his wife um on a private plane or a private it was a train. It was a train. Oh, it was a private train or a plane and, and or whatever. This, and, this is, and this is why he was like, oh, it wasn't me because the, the, the nature boy don't take no trains. Ah, so maybe it wasn't him. But we never but, let the but, truth. But the, hold the, on, the hold funny on. thing. Sorry, okay, sorry, sorry about you. The funny thing is that, you, you know, you said it was his significant other. And I immediately, as the savage that I am, went to do some research. Off the tattoo? Off the tattoo. So <laughs> there's, a tattoo, there's a tattoo on this young lady. Well, I don't know if she's young. She doesn't look so young. Uh, that's on her left, like mid calf. And if you go to Fifi the maid, who's Ric Flair's significant other, she ain't got no tattoo on that leg over there, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> so maybe this is the reason why old Ricky Boy's like, it wasn't me. It yeah, wasn't he, me. He pulled the shaggy. Wasn't me. Was that you in the trona? It wasn't me. Was that you on the choo choo? It wasn't me. The second he said it wasn't him, I immediately was like, hmm, let me do a little digging over here. Very nice. Detective Doc is on the case. Hickory dickory Doc. Doc will find out if you're slapping some hoe with your cock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, let's continue this fun old time. We'd like to start this segment, uh, this show with a segment called Marky Mark and his funky tweets because it's full of good vibrations and sweet sensations. Now, you out there who's listening to this podcast be like, what the hell are these two morons babbling about? Well, there's an individual who is the face that runs the place, a.k.a. the motherfucking heart of Star Wars. His name is Mark Hamill. And most importantly, you can find him at Hamill himself, at Hamill himself on Twitter and Instagram. Where? Especially on Twitter. In less than 140 characters, he captures the hearts and souls of millions and millions. Put that in. He's with the millions um, of people 
So what we do is we like to take some of these tweets, bring it to your attention, and we have a grand old time. So, uh, Doc, uh, were you privy to this tweet before I send it to you, uh, where he at Hamill himself? Before before we go in, tell him the NFO sent you. So say hey at Hamill himself. We find your tweets very funny because at Alex Rory or MD or at Greek guy Papadon or at Handsome Reaper, but most importantly at NFO underscore podcast sent us. Because of the NFL podcast. Anyhow, trying to get ourselves over here always, but not at the expense of Star Wars. Anyhow, uh, he had a tweet, and this tweet went somehow a hashtag crooning canine and a hashtag ivory tickling toddler makes everything so much better. And then he has a video of a baby playing a toy piano and then a hooch, maybe a beagle. I'm not sure what kind of breed it was. This dog hops on the other, the real life piano and starts hitting the keys and starts howling as the baby's singing, playing on her piano. Were you privy to this? Did you witness this, Doc? I did witness this tweet. I did. I did. I did. It was uh, typical in Mark Hamill fashion. He loves his children and his animals. And uh, it was uh, quite, quite funny. Did you, uh, did you go? <laughs> I, I did the joke a laugh. Yes. Thank you. That one didn't come out too well. But anyhow, uh, I don't know if our pro- producer of the week, whoever the hell is doing the producing this week, wants to throw in the clip of what the hell we're talking about. Throw it in right about it now. And then he hit us with another tweet. Some individual decided to post a picture of Mark Hamill's action figure frozen upside down in his freezer, in his icebox of his freezer, uh, wearing his um, hot gear and hanging upside down like he did when the Wampa put him upside down. Uh, We know that Spiro used to do this. Uh, Who's Spiro, you may ask? That's our third podcast host who's hiding from uh, child support over there on Exegol. (laughs) <laughs> but he he said he used to do this when he was a child. So he goes, uh, this guy sends him a tweet sending uh, saying, you know, what's better than having Mark Hamill hanging in your freezer? And then Mark Hamill responds, why would you want Luke in your freezer when you can have Ben and Jerry? Meaning the ice cream. And yeah. I agree, because Half-Baked is one of my favorites that they produce. What about you, Doc? What's your favorite Ben and Jerry? Uh- Fuck the Ben and Jerry's. They are not supporting the Israel right now. And my wife is Israeli and I must stick with her. If not, I get no vagina. Oh, really? They're not supporting Israel? Why would? Why do they have to support Israel? Are they Jewish? They're both Jews. What the fuck, man? Come on. I don't know this dude. They just make ice cream. It's like uh, Ben Mendelsohn and Jerry uh, Goldschlager. There you go. So, I got a joke for you, Doc. I'm ready. Off topic, okay? Guy walks into a bar with a newt on his shoulder. For you people out there that don't know what a newt is, it's like a gecko. It's a the tiny fawns lizard. Not a fawns a newt, but that's funny. It's a tiny lizard. So, bartender looks at the guy and goes, "Hey." He goes, "What's what's what's that thing? What's that thing in your shoulder? Because it's 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 a lizard." He goes, what's its name? Tiny. 
He goes, why do you call it tiny? He goes, because it's minute. Uh, that's a good one. Thank you. Try your, try your waitress. Tip the veal. This guy walks into a bar. He sees this little fucking one foot man playing the piano, on uh the fucking on the, on the bar, and the guy's like, "What the fuck is the story?" Bartender goes, "Oh, that's my uh, that's my uh, you know, one foot uh, little guy who plays the piano." He goes, "How the fuck did that guy get here?" Because he well, you know, I had this magic lamp and I rubbed it, and uh, out he popped. He goes, oh, "It's interesting." He goes, "You mind if I grab that lamp over there?" He goes, "Yeah, sure, no problem." Guy fucking rubs the lamp, rubs the lamp, rubs the lamp. All of a sudden, the door opens, and all these ducks start pouring into the fucking bar. Pouring into the bar. Like, it won't stop. It's fucking coming and coming and coming. And the patron's like, dude, I didn't want a million ducks. I wanted a million bucks. And the bartender goes, do you think I fucking wish for a 12-inch pianist? That's a good one. I like that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we do a segment here on the NFO called You Just Made the List! You Just Made the List! What we do on this segment is we find lists on the interwebs, and then we bring it to your attention, and then we give you our analysis of said list. So, Doc, you want to go first, or you want me to go first while you're painting something? What are you painting over there? I'm doing a very... Obscure character from the Marvel Universe whose name is Fool Killer. I know Fool Killer. This is a uh, this is the second iteration of Fool Killer I'm doing. So I'm doing his his head and his mask. Yeah, he's like a biker kind of jammy over there. But you go first, Ken. All right. Uh, first list is 15 Obi-Wan Kenobi fan theories that make a lot of sense. So let's go down the path. Uh, number one, Obi... And this is not from greatest to least or any order whatsoever. This is just number one because it's the first one I'm talking about. Obi-Wan had a secret son with Duchess Satine. Hmm. Hmm. I, and if you guys don't know who Duchess Satine is, she was in the Clone Wars and she was the leader of Mandalore. And she had a relationship with Obi-Wan when, when he first joined the Order. I guess they called it quits because he obviously didn't follow through. Um... Let's see what they say. I kind of feel like it would explain how bitter Satine was about him leaving her. If her planet was just recovering from the Civil War, it might have been against her best interest to admit she was pregnant by a Jedi. Are you knocked up? <laughs> Not by a Jedi. Not by a Jedi. <laughs> I love that part. Especially with the history between Mandalore and the Jedi Order. So hiding it from her people in Obi-Wan isn't too far-fetched. She would have wanted to secure her planet, but also be unable to part with the child. So Satine creating the, uh, crediting the baby to another family member and keeping the information from Obi-Wan isn't far-fetched. If that is the case, the decision could have been out of spite for his desertion or as means to protect him from further attachments. This is why they don't send the emails, because attachments are forbidden. Indeed. This is the... This is the part of the story I'd love to see Filoni fill in for us. Either way, raising a baby alone is really hard. Even if, <laughs> even for the best reasons. And would explain her disdain for him when they first meet again. 
And I know some believe that being a father would tarnish his character, but I don't agree. Sex was not against the order, just attachments, and Obi-Wan sacrificed his attachments to Satine by staying with the order. I think this twist adds an extra what-if to the mountain of poor choices forced into this character. Um... Uh, now they're going to this list. Number uh, number uh, number two, Obi-Wan is uh, specifically friends with R2-D2. Obi-Wan looks at R2, gives him a funny look, and says, I don't recall ever owning a droid. We think it may be because Lucas made a boner on the prequels, or maybe he was trying to hide his importance. I think we saw how much R2 did and accomplished in episode one, two, and three. Um and how much the heroes owe to him. He's particularly saved their asses a dozen times over. When Obi-Wan says a controversial and line... Speaking. of ne- <laughs> Nice. Uh, when uh, he says the line about never owning a droid, he has a little glint in his eyes. He was high, dude. He's not saying, keep quiet, you. You'll blow our cover. He's saying, no motherfucker in this galaxy can own R2. He's intelligent and reliable in, in a way no other droid has been. He's correcting Luke about his ownership. He's saying, I don't own this droid. The droid is my friend. Oh, that's interesting from a certain point of view. What do you think? That he doesn't own the droid, but the droid is his friend? Like, no one can own R2 yeah. because of all of his accomplishments. Excuse me, R2-D2. <laughs> <laughs> fuck your couch, R2-D2. Yeah, fuck your couch. I'm R2-D2, bitch. <laughs> beep, boop, beep, motherfucker. Um, uh, Obi-Wan forced heal Luke after the Tusken Raider attack. That I bought into because when he's lying down on the ground, he touches his forehead. He wasn't checking for COVID or fever. So mm-hmm. uh, the sand quite, people quite th- possible. The sand people fear Obi Wan for a reason. Yeah, because he drinks. He drinks all their liquor. That fucking guy. <laughs> Go! He's gonna drink all our wine. Get out starts of here. Do, he starts doing. Ur, 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 and then all of a sudden, they run away. Obi Wan sacrifice in a new hope served as a double purpose. Let's see what they say about this. Obi lets Vader kill him in episode four because it moves a lot of Vader's hatred when Obi-Wan dies. Ooh. Yoda and Obi-Wan train Luke so he will be strong enough to make Palpatine want to exchange Vader with Luke as his apprentice with less hate and a suffering son who's being tortured by the Force lightning. Vader suddenly has a reason to turn back to the light and finally fulfills the prophecy. What do you think about that? That's also interesting from That's a certain a point of view. That's very interesting from point of view that they basically sacrificed Luke so they could pull Vader from him. Ooh, man, these people really don't fucking like the Jedi on Reddit. Ben was a regular at the cantina. No Hell shit. To the, yeah. You ever see a picture with him and Norm and and uh, from Cheers, Norm and Cliff? Yeah, no, somebody, somebody did that. Yeah, it's dope. That's that's great. Uh, <laughs> it's great. Thanks, Vero. Uh, number seven, Obi Wan left Anakin alive on Mustafar because of the prophecy. Eh, eh. Interesting theory. Let's see how they they spin this one. Uh, when Obi Wan says to Anakin that he was supposed to destroy the Sith instead of joining them, you might have remembered that Yoda had previously said about the prophecy how the Jedi might have misinterpreted its meaning. The Chosen One will destroy the Sith in the end, but everything in the galaxy could get a lot worse before that happened. Obi-Wan knew that if he killed Anakin, there would not be a chosen one to destroy the Sith. Eh, whatever. Yeah, Obi-Wan I mean, is... Some of them have been created, some of them... Yeah. Oh, we touched base on this in a prior episode. Obi-Wan is hiding from the Rebellion, not the Empire. Yes, we did. Very interesting. 
Number nine, Obi-Wan aged at a faster rate due to his training with Qui-Gon between Return of the Sith, uh, Return, uh, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. That's a good little spin that they can do because... He, what, he brought him into uh, some kind of fucking, like, a wormhole or some shit? No, like, you know, because he's trying to teach him how to talk or manifest, you know, through death. He It puts a strain on the body. Eh, okay, keep going. I think it's the Tatooine son, and he had no sunblock. Okay, that works, too. Why Obi-Wan told Vader he would become more powerful in death. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down... I shall become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Because oh, he was beating that motherfucker. That's why. Oh, he's a master of that, right? That's right. <laughs> um, Obi-Wan's taunting Vader. Whatever, whatever. Uh, in A New Hope, Obi-Wan is severely traumatized and mentally unwell. I don't know about that. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, like, I wish they had some outtakes from him, like, you know, like, and decide, like, oh, this is what? No, nothing. Ben used the force to call to calm the cantina patrons after his scuffle. Eh. I think he used I the just, lightsaber to calm them. Yeah, I just think they just don't give a fuck because it's like a western. Nothing different. Someone gets shot in the saloon. They just go about their business. He believed Luke was a chosen one, not Anakin. Well, that kind of contradicts why he left Anakin alive before, but he did say that in the uh, Rebel series. So, Obi-Wan was the chosen one. Uh, nah, I'm not buying that. Obi-Wan and Yoda killed Padme. Ooh, sneaky sons of bitches. Let's see what they have to say here. <laughs> At the end of Revenge of the Sith, the medical droid says Padme is 100% medically healthy. But the reason for her death is losing the will to live. Oh. This just struck me as strange, and the droids could not explain what was happening. Let me write this theory. My theory is that Obi-Wan and or Yoda had something to do with Padme losing her will to live via the Force. Perhaps some sort of combined concentrated Jedi mind trick, like that scene in the Clone Wars series with Cad Bane, is the cause. Prior to giving birth, she experienced mental and emotional trauma, seeking Anakin to turn to the dark side of the Force. Becoming the pa- the pawn in Palpatine's great lie added to the top of this is the physical toll of Anakin's force stroke and simply giving birth. People would obviously be surprised by her death, but no one would suspect someone killing her because of how painful her life had become. But why would Obi-Wan do this? Why, what are their motives? They knew that the one or two things would happen if she survived, both involving discovery of Luke and, and Leia. Scenario number one. What's a what's a scenario? Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what's so what's so what's the scenario? Padme would want to seek out Anakin and try to turn him back to what he once was. This would only expose the two children. Palpatine would obviously want this to happen. He would convince Anakin to kill kill Padme. Kill her. Kill her now. Seduce her to the dark side. Ooh, that sounds sexy. Or convince her to reveal the location of the children. Palpatine would want to the two Force-sensitive children with the Skywalker bloodline to continually command the Empire after Anakin's time. This was even expressed in Return of the Jedi. Scenario two, Padme would be convinced by Obi-Wan and Yoda to protect her children and stay isolated, knowing what Padme is alive and in hiding would only cause Anakin to seek her and the children out. Having all three together would be dangerous and inform- dangerous and information about their whereabouts would more than likely get out. 
The Empire would search everywhere for Padme and the kids would be found. Once found, the same thing would happen in the scenario one, where the children would be turned to the dark side and serve their father and Palpatine. The bottom line is Obi-Wan and Yoda knew this for the safety of the galaxy. For the better, what is it called in that movie? For the better good. Uh, Luke and Leia. Yeah, what movie was that? Simon Pegg. It was uh, with the town was killing everybody for the better good. What was that? I forget what it's called. Luke and Leia needed to be separated and kept safe. Or no one uh, knew where they truly were. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, what do you think, Doc? Uh, I think that's a crazy fucking theory. And I, I, you know, I and they're giving a little bit of credence to it with the fact that, you know, if they're really worried about this, you know, these kids being super powered, that they would prevent the emperor from finding about out about them or getting them if Anakin's already to the point where he's gone. And they and and they probably would have known that Padme would have, you know, sought out Anakin. And if Anakin knew that she had the babies or that she was pregnant, that they would um he would go after them. So, I mean, I don't think it happened, but there's definitely something to it. That's pretty fucking wild. It is wild. I think it's horseshit because he, you see how mad he got when he found out Anakin was his dad. Vader was his dad. Imagine he finds out that these two motherfuckers tag team and killed his mom. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. It would that, that, that would send him on the dark side of the force path oh, real quick. A hundred percent. Are you kidding me? So, But, but it's great, though. I, I think it's... Uh, I think it's when when you said it, I'm like, ooh, and I'm like, oh, bullshit, and then I'm like, wait a minute, but there's a lot of good reasons that could happen. That's like some M Night Shyamalan ding dong fucking. Yes, that is some definitely okay. M Night Shyamalan ding dong fucking. I I completely agree with you. Um, wild and crazy, but uh, maybe uh, it uh, it it warrants its own thought process and a certain point of view from me. We'll see. Um, is that it for your list? Yeah. All right, I got one. Five things that The Force Awakens did perfectly. All right. It's going to be a short list. Short list. <laughs> Jakku. Uh, I'd say the first third of the movie was basically close to perfect. Jakku hits well. Large part of Jakku is that of Jakku itself. Visuals are stunning. Ray's introduction. People have issues with Ray, but her intro was pretty Ray! fantastic. Um, you know, she's this strong, self-sufficient young woman, clearly dreams of something more. Um, Kylo Ren. Kylo, one of the best things that come out of the sequel trilogy. We talked about that previously. Certainly not perfect, but at least in the first two movies, he's one of the deepest villains or just plain characters we get at all. Conflicted, dark, angsty. Um, Snoke, really? Well, ultimately, everything about Snoke ended up being disappointing and lame. I feel that The Force Awakens, he's pretty great. They do just enough with him to make him a real sinister secret bad guy. Um, uh, he's weird and big and strange, and you know, it's also he's also very secretive, too. So you get a lot of tantalizing hits. He corrupted Ben. He has some history with Luke. He controls the First Order, but there's some great unanswered questions about him. Human, Sith, uh, what's his deal? Um, but we didn't get any uh, payoff from that. So anyway, the visuals. Look, there's no denying the movie looks amazing. It's got some stunning shots. It blows you away. Um, some don't make logical sense, but it's still beautiful. So those are the five things that The Force Awakens did well, according to this uh, uh, article. Do you concur? Uh, some of them, I think the Snoke thing, you know, was interesting. But if you know, if you're not paying it off, then what's really the fucking purpose of the, of the whole thing? Okay, I concur with you. I concur. Uh, next, Obi Wan Kenobi can bridge the style change between the prequels and the original trilogy. No idea what this means. Hopefully, it's not horseshit. But Let's... what they're saying, I, I I can give you the breakdown before you go into it. They're basically saying that between the Four, five, six had this very 
old, this very old school, um, kind of dingy feel to it. It was more like a grimy feel to it. And then, you know, one, two, and three had this more elegant, you know, the Republic was in an elegant era. So they're trying to say that maybe Obi-Wan series could bridge the, the, you know, the gap between why the elegance of one, two, three ended and then the grittiness and the dirtiness of four, five, six happened. The look. Okay, well, then I don't need to go down the fucking list because you just summarized it really quickly. My answer to that would be this. During the Republic, they cared about the people. Everything was not fine and dandy, but as close to perfect as it possibly could be. Uh, under the fascist socialist fucking regime of the fucking empire, they ruled with an iron fist and they scared everybody into fucking conforming and obeying and they didn't give a fuck about what everything looked like. Yeah. That and also, you know, we see from the point of the rebellion, the rebellion is a ragtag rebellion where they don't have a lot of money or a lot of credits or a lot of things to keep them going. So things are going to look a little naturally more, you know, dingy and dirty. Okay, well, then I guess I'll skip uh, to the next one. All eight times, Anakin fought Count Dooku in Star Wars canon. And who won? Let's see. Uh Let's see. Attack of the Clones. Episode 2. We know Dooku kicked his ass. Clone Wars the movie. They fought. Who won? Um, Anakin's next fight with Dooku featured in the film version of Star Wars The Clone Wars, a precursor to the television series battling the... On the dunes of Tatooine, Dooku attempted to prevent Anakin from returning Jabba the Hutt's kidnapped son. Straight away, Dooku uses lightning attack again, only this time Anakin was prepared. The fight wasn't particularly long, with very stiff animation, that's what she said, but Dooku did taunt Anakin to get into his head. Knowing Tatooine's Anakin's deserted home, Dooku tried to remind him of the painful memories. He almost got the upper hand, slicing a backpack, supposedly containing Jabba's son. However, it was merely a pile of rocks. He did it for the rock. Did it for the rock. The fight itself was a stalemate. Okay, so no one won. Shadow Warrior, that's the next time they fought. Uh, was The Sith took the fight to Naboo. A sure point of contention given Anakin's relationship with Padme and Adalem. While they came face to face earlier in the show, this pair didn't engage in a combat until Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 4. With the Separatist General's Grievous detained by the Republic, Dooku was instructed by Darth Sidious to capture Anakin and force prisoner exchange. Anakin went on the offensive and handled himself fairly well until the Magna Guards appeared. Overwhelmed by the droids, Dooku took advantage of his weakened state and shocked him into unconsciousness with lightning once again. Dooku effectively cheated, heal, aided with the guards in seizing Anakin rather than defeating him in a traditional duel. He's always perfectly in control of the situation, making this an easy victory. So 3-0 and for Dooku right now. Escape from Kadavo. Anakin fought Dooku on the planet of Zagaria during his conflict with the slave trade later in Season 4 of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Anakin was a former slave himself, and the experience could have been, could have seen him consumed with hatred, but he managed to overcome his feelings and save Queen Mirage Sintel who refused to obey Dooku and execute Anakin. The unarmed Jedi Knight was surprisingly composed and demonstrated his adaptability by using a whip to strike Dooku's lightsaber. Whip it! Mm. Whip it good! Na, 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 na. However, their altercation was brief, and he was, once again, incapacitated by Sith lightning. Motherfucker. 
While a strong fighter, Anakin hadn't yet learned how to block the lightning attack, and Dooku remained relatively at ease throughout. Dooku won. That's another one. Crisis on Naboo. Anakin and Dooku clashed once more in the Clone Wars Season 4, with Dooku leading a troop of bounty hunters, including a disguised Obi-Wan Kenobi, to kidnap Chancellor Palpatine during Naboo's Festival of Light. Anakin and Palpatine were lured into a trap, cornered into the palace dining hall by Dooku and his Magna Guards, with Palpatine's life supposedly at stake. Anakin set up his opponent in their first intense clash. His swings were wild, but he was skilled enough to cut down the objects thrown at him. Dooku was perfectly calm at first, cocky even, and with his one-handed dueling style, but unprepared for the enraged Jedi frenzied attack. Suddenly, he knocked on his back. The counter actually looked worried. Anakin repeatedly slashed the Dooku's blade like when Luke's Skywalker would overpower his father in Star Wars Return of the Jedi. It's important to detail that effectively connects Anakin and Vader to his future son and implies how formidable they both can be and overcome with fury. Anakin attempted to choke Dooku, dirty little boy you, to death in a very ignoble move, mirroring his later duel with Obi-Wan Kenobi on Mustafar. Anakin's untamed rage distracted him, leaving him susceptible to Dooku's lightning trick. God damn it, same gimmick. Obi-Wan arrived in time to help rescue Palpatine, while Dooku just barely escaped in his ship. Despite the nearly being strangled to death, Dooku praised Obi-Wan's gallantry while dismissing Anakin's skills. Of course, he waited to say this until safe from Anakin's wrath. There's no clear winner. The Lost One. Before the final chapter of George Lucas's prequel trilogy, Dooku fought both Anakin and Obi-Wan in the headquarters of Pikes and of the Pike Syndicate in Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 6. Anakin and Obi-Wan investigated the death of Jedi Master Sifo Dyas. Their questioning of the Spice Runners was interrupted by Dooku's arrival. Cities had grown frustrated with Dooku, and the ensuing fight gave a sense of war was nearing in its end. The duel, the duel primarily took place on a high walkway, with Anakin faring better than Obi-Wan. The clash further commented Anakin's agility and aggression, and Dooku by no means struggled. It wasn't until the bikes opened fire that they decided to retreat. Ultimately, Anakin's duel with Dooku was another stalemate, and then sacrifice. While at the real, at, while not at the real, while not a real fight, Yoda's dark vision of Anakin and Dooku dueling provided a fitting premonition of the dark times to come. Who gives a fuck about a premonition? Revenge of the Sith. He finally wins. So there you go. He got his ass kicked. It was like Tommy Dreamer and Raven all over again. Until uh, until Beulah, yeah, until Raven fucking loses to fucking Tommy, but this time it was Anakin and Count Dooku. Anyway, anyway, let's see what else we got over here. Next, uh, top 10 characters that we need to see in Bad Batch season two, number 10, book 10, crease. Uh, yeah, I guess it makes sense. Number nine, Wolf, so Clone Commander Wolf. Um, he had his ship removed. He was living with Reg, uh, Grex, uh, Rex and Gregor and Silos. Dryden Voss. Now, that's an interesting thing to talk about there. I think that he's a character that, you know, grossly mis- underused, you know, bought his death in Solo, spoiler alert, and uh, would be really fantastic to see pop up in the Bad Batch. So I would love him to, 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 to see him dealing with the, with, oh, with, the, Pike, with the Pike Syndicate stuff. Shout out to Holly Garland for getting that dope Solo tattoo on her arm. Very dope. Solo tattoo or the uh, the Kylo tattoo? Ben Solo. Ben Solo, my bad, yes. See what yeah. I did there? I did. I did. This way she can uh, get mad at me because 
she hates the movie Solo. She always throws it in my face as being a bad movie. Got it, she got actually it. got a Solo tattoo. She did. She did. Uh, ben Solo, a.k.a. Kylo Ren. Anyway, number seven, Hondo Anaka. Yes! Who doesn't love a good Hondo, right? I mean, come on. He should be in everything. Number six, Quinlan Voss. Again, another character who is as rich Star Wars history in the, car- in the cartoons, who I think should be popping up in the season two of The Bad Batch. Number five, Wolf Yarlin, the... Uh, one of Admiral. the yes, the one of the admirals from the Death Star, Maz Kanata. Now this makes perfect fucking sense, right? Um, let's flesh her out more on the cartoon stuff because you know clearly they ain't doing that shit in the movies. Um, Commander Cody. Ooh, we talked about this before. We love to see a Cody Rex either match up or team up, or both. Bosk uh, again would be a fantastic addition. He's also Transdotian, just like Sid is. Um, which still would make sense kind of bringing him in there. Maybe he's, oh, this is my cousin, Bosk, you know him, come on. Um, and then number one, of course, everybody's got to jerk him off all the time, the big old Boba Fett. <laughs> I like how you word that. <laughs> I just had a vision in my mind. Fucking Bosk shows up, right, at the fucking, at uh, Sid's place, and they think that he's there to collect a bounty on Omega. He should be like, Hey, boss, go take out the garbage. Yes, mom. <laughs> yes, mom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ten plot holes in season seven of the of uh, the Clone Wars. This made me go, huh? Because I didn't think there were any plot holes. But let's see. Admiral Trench, the spider dude, which looks cool as fuck, has an uncanny ability in evading death. I don't want to fucking read this. It's too long. Anakin blatantly ignores obvious signs of Padme's pregnancy. Well, listen, maybe he was Puerto Rican. It's okay. <laughs> it's not my kid, man. It's not my uh, baby, baby. Um, let's see. Number eight. Captain Rex has some magically disappearing armor pieces. Uh, that's getting too detailed into bullshit. Ahsoka is gifted blue lightsabers before confronting Maul. Yeah, that kind of contradicts what's in her novel. Um, where we've seen this before, where the novels don't mean shit compared to the Filoni uh, animation. Ahsoka's hostility towards Maul on Mandalore makes no sense. Oh, I wonder why. While Ahsoka verbal exchanges with Maul are terse in the Clone Wars, they also offer some of the most profound and introspective dialogue in the series. In fact, Maul doesn't attempt to deceive the former Padawan, choosing instead to tell her what he knows. It's Ahsoka who chooses to rebuff Maul. Oh, that sounds dirty. When he brings up the possibility of Anakin falling to the dark side. By the time Ahsoka meets Maul again on the Sith planet of Ma- Malachor during season two of Rebel, she is deeply suspicious of him, despite suspecting Darth Maul's real identity. While she's rightfully mistrusts Maul here, their previous exchange on Mandalore suggests Ahsoka shouldn't have been so uh, cognizant of this. Okay, I see his point of view, but let's face facts. Let's start with more. And this yeah, chick is probably... This chick um, doesn't believe that Anakin turned to the dark side because it's her master, man. It's almost like having that, that syndrome the when you're kidnapped. What's that called? Stockholm. Stockholm. Stockholm syndrome. You know, you can't believe it. And, you know, anyhow, that's what I think. <laughs> Number five, Maul's defeat at the hands of Ahsoka has been changed. Another consistency between the Clone Wars and Ahsoka comes at the conclusion of the clash between Ahsoka and Maul. While Maul suffers a humiliating defeat at the hands of Ahsoka in both uh, 
continuities. The way he's defeated is significantly changed between the two properties. What do you mean two properties? Did he, did he lose it another time? I don't know what they're talking about. Are they talking about between Rebels and between Clone Wars? No, because they didn't fight in Rebels. Soka sees the titular uh, uh, apprentice receives the aid of her clone comrades by capturing Maul in the ray shield. Conversely, the phantom uh, Phantom apprentice sees Ahsoka catch Maul with a force after he falls. His balance on Sundry's scaffolding. Although the Clone Wars smartly emphasize Ahsoka's victory as her alone, it also raises the question which ending is canon. I don't know. Maybe there was a fight in the book. I didn't read the book. Rex lies to Kanan about how his inhibitor chip was removed. Okay, that's true. That is a plot hole. Uh, so, but yet at the same time, he could just say it in passing because he didn't want to go into fucking detail. Yeah. Ahsoka and Rex endure to Order 66 in two different locations. That's not true. Well, you we see the Clone Wars one, obviously, but I don't know what they're, they're talking about in maybe in her book again. Oh, in the novel, yeah. Or else, I don't in know. Novel, yeah. Clones' bodies disappear into thin air between episodes. What? Either the 501st is, ex- is expe- uh, expeditious in cleaning up duty, or there is a plot hole between the final two Clone Wars episodes. The gut wrenching shattered seas. The episodes conclude with Ahsoka and Rex trapped in the uh, tribunal medical bay, with Rex dropping the bombshell to Ahsoka that all the clones in the Grand Army of the Republic have been ordered to summarize to execute all the Jedi. However, the. Why do they got to use these fucking words? No one ever says the penultimate episode. Penultimate. That means the episode before the one that is the end. Okay. Penultimate episode also shows Ahsoka and Rex subduing a battalion of clones right outside the medical bay. As Gigi struggles to get to the door sealed, victory and death opens with a shot of the corridor leading to the said medical bay moments later. However, there are no bodies in sight. Begging the questions, where did all the bodies go? Ahsoka doesn't doesn't actually fake her death like she remembers. Clone Wars actually changed the clone funeral sequence for the better, even if it still does exist at odds with Johnson's work. Still does... Okay, I don't give a fuck. Anyway, <laughs> go on. Sorry. Anyway. I think that's right. it for our list right now. Yeah, we're that done with the list. Fuck the list. exciting list. They're, 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 they were shitty this week. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, I'm glad we're done with that, but you know what else is done, Doc? Know what else is done? Uh, apparently, it's a wrap on Obi Wan Kenobi series. On a Hobie wrap, sun dried tomato wrap, spinach wrap, right, spinach with feta, but with feta. Nice with feta. That's right. Uh, initially, they only thought like uh, the guy who's playing alleged um... fifth brother. No. Well, yeah, the Chinese dude. The, I'm sorry. The he might be, might not be Chinese. Oh, you fucking the, racist. The Asian guy. Um, and the other guy. Don't call him other... Oriental. That's uh, that's really bad. Yeah, he's not a fucking rug. You're right. Um, the other guy, what's his name? Um, Rupert Fiend. Oh, Sung Kang is his name. Rupert Fiend and Indira Environment have an old rap. So they thought their roles were done. But now it comes out. Uh, LRM is reporting that the entire cast is done. They all wrapped. And they're, uh, they're done filming Kenobi. And we're good to go for them to go into post-production, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm man. happy. You know, what that means, you know what that means, too, if they're, if they're done, right? That means that, let me guess, let me guess, let me guess, let me guess, Obi-Wan can shave his beard. Also, uh, season three of The Mandalorian can start. Yeah, yes. If they're going to do season three, you know, we talked about that before, which I don't believe that bullshit. But anyway, um, yeah, so we're, it's a wrap. 
post-production can take who the fuck knows how long. You know, our, our video editor uh, has left us here over here, high and dry as usual. He can tell us, you know, what uh, what fixing it a post means. But um, it seems that uh, we are one step closer to getting this uh, as a reality. So I'm excited, man. Well, it's, well it's, it was confirmed. I thought you were segueing into the next article. Which article? Where uh, Carl Weathers confirmed that they're going to start filming next month. Oh, no, I did not. Yeah, he he did um, Steel City Con in uh, Steel in um, Dave Filoni's whole town of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where Bruno San Martino was from. Shane Douglas. Um, and Shane Douglas, yes. Uh, Carl Weathers took to the stage, talked about his career. When discussing The Mandalorian, he revealed that the third season begins next month and that Grief Cargo will be returning and Carl will be directing an episode once again. Nice. Weathers said, and I quote, we're going to start a new season of The Mandalorian in the next month. Yeah, and I get to be in front of the camera again, and I get to direct again. So I hope all you stay on the lookout for it. Watch it, support it, because I'm not just proud of my work. But I'm, he goes, I'm not just proud of my work, but I'm proud of the show and to be part of it. Very classy. Great guy. Yeah, man. Getting paid, baby. Apollo Creed. Living right. in, in America. Ha ha! Idaho. <laughs> oh, I'm surprised that, that that all these guys really talk all this shit because it's like you would think that they would they would have a gag order on them and to not say anything, even like you know anything like if anybody actually could just don't say a fucking word. It's, it blows my mind that they're just like yeah hey, yeah we're gonna start this we're gonna start that blah blah blah. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. No, you're right. You're right. And when you're right, you're right. And Doc, guess what? Right. You're right. You're right. Uh, you would think these fucking guys would know by now. To shut the fuck up. You know? Quiet. Quiet, Apollo. But, um, hey, I guess uh, they don't give a fuck, you know, because they're Disney. But um, what do you call it? Uh, there's a rumor we mentioned last week. They're looking to cast Sabine in Ahsoka. Yes. Now it's a short list, from what I understand. It, the, that short list includes Lana Condor, Tati Gabrielle, and Havana Rose Louie, L-U-I. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm not feeling any of these actresses. They don't look like the character. Yeah, I saw a few of them, and I'm just like, I don't know what these. One was Asian, one was black or or Hispanic looking. One looked like she was black and Asian. So and, I was like, and albino. Yeah, and I'm like, wait a minute. That I mean, look, I'm all for diversification, but if you want continuity, at least make the characters look like the characters that were drawn. Yeah, at least man. the one who's playing Ezra, that Misa Mahmood guy, looks like fucking Ezra Bridger. You know, Thrawn is going to sound like the Thrawn and he's going to look like the Thrawn because some dude painted blue. You know what yeah. I mean? I know. Even, even Forrest Whitaker, Bukoli, looks like Forrest Whitaker uh, when he plays Saul Guerrero when they draw him. So, like, yeah, continuity is key, man. You just can't throw shit around and, you know, kick things all over the place, especially when it's within the same universe. You know, they got away with it with the Spider Man stuff. They made Mary Jane. You know, fairly ethnic as with Zendaya, but whatever. It wasn't like she was different. It was she was different. She was a different universe than the Kirsten Dunst one that we had in the in the Tobey Maguire Spider Man or in the in the comic books. I get it, but when you when you're still playing with that same continuity universe, you you got to keep it real, man. 
Keep it real in the fucking water vapor moisture field. Spe- speaking speaking of not keeping it real, okay? Um, this week, uh, well, last week actually, because we forgot to talk about it last week, but uh, you know this big controversy from a few weeks ago that happened with Boba Fett's starship. Which, oh, you know, oh! He, before he, we go there, hold on, hold on, hold yes, on. Time okay, out. tell me. Put a pin in that. I want you to. T- I want to. I wanted you to fucking jump on this like a grenade. Uh, but I wanted to just finish up the article because the actress who voices um, Sabine, Sabine. Yep. Tia Sikar, she recently went to Twitter and she said um, she's reacting to the fans who've uh, rallied behind the live action Sabine reprisal in the Ahsoka series. They were, And the actress thanked the fans for the memes, tweets, and hashtags uh, calling for them to cast Tia Sikar uh, instead of these other actresses. And, and you can follow her at, at Tia Sikar that's T-I-Y-A-S-I-R-C-A-R. You guys are honestly the best. Just wanted to pop on a here on here to tell you I've seen all of your sweet tweets and memes and hashtags and calls for petitions. And man, y'all really know how to make a girl feel loved. Thanks, friends. Love you right back. Now, with all due respect, she's a good actress. I think she was in that um that that movie with uh What's Vince Vaughn and and um, when they went to Google, what was it called? Oh, the, yeah, the interns, the interns, what was yeah. You know, I think that was her, if I'm not mistaken, mm. who played that little bookworm uh, wannabe sex yeah, chick. I think you're right. Yeah, and she's a great actress on the show, but again, but she don't look like no Sabine. Sabine. No, she doesn't look like Sabine at all, dude. Like, I, I don't get it, man. Look. I'm sorry. I don't want to come off like someone who doesn't give a fuck about diversity and ethnicity. Woke, I think you're woke. You ain't woke. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, yeah. I'm not awoke. I'm awake. There's a difference. But point is, just like, seriously, you can't just cast him. That's like fucking casting the guy from, uh, who's the Asian guy from fucking uh, Hangover? Uh, yeah, Mr. Chow. Mr. Chow. Let's let's cast Mr. Chow. He could play Malcolm X in the Malcolm X movie. That's perfect. Let's do it. You know, it just doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. I think Chloe Bennett should be fucking Satine. Sabine. Chloe Bennett. That works for me. I'm down with that. And if for you people who don't know who Chloe Bennett is, she's the Quake. she's the yeah, she's Quake from uh, Marvel's Agent of Shield. I think she looks like Sabine with a if they cut her hair, she has the acting chops, she got the big eyes, you can put the contacts in on her. I think she she fits the role nicely. She looks like an older version of Sabine. But that's just me. She can quake uh, me all day. Oh, me too, bro. Uh so go on with your story about Boba. Okay. So Boba. <clears throat> Get your stuff. We're leaving. We're leaving. A few months ago, um, we saw that uh, the Lego set came out that renamed the Slave One, Boba Fett's spaceship, into Boba Fett's starship, they called it. So they left it kind of almost without a, a name. Um, and again, to push the woke agenda, because you know, if you may, you may offend somebody if you say the word slave, uh, because clearly that's an offensive term, the word slave, because it hasn't existed for, I don't know, a zillion years. Um, so... They seem to have, in the comic books, in the War of the Bounty Hunters, have a bunch of covers coming out, which I've seen a few of them already. And they're naming the ships, and they're using the ships on the covers to uh, sell the books as like kind of like incentive covers and, and uh, you know, one in 50, one in 20, whatever you want to call it, um, whatever the, uh, the ratio is. And they go back to using a very interesting term for Boba Fett's ship, which is the fire spray, which is the model of the ship that it, that it actually is. It's like a fire spray pursuit battalion 37, whatever the fuck it is. I don't know. 
Fire spray uh, 31 class. There you go. 31 class. Um, so basically now they're going by the name of the ship. This is like taking the Millennium Falcon and be like, oh, that's a Corellian YT freighter and calling it the YT freighter instead of the, the Millennium Falcon. Um, I guess it's better than Boba Fett Starship. Uh, still annoys me that the you know woke agenda has got to be sitting here and really pushing their way through to something this stupid. But uh, hey, here we are, 2021. You know, you have a valid point. I agree with you. But here's a little interesting side note. They never mentioned the name of Slave One in the movies ever. Ever. Nope. So that, that just basically comes from Kenner. Yep. So if you guys want to get go complain, go complain to Hasbro. Go cancel. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure George named it, but they just never. You know, he put it probably put it in his notes or whatever it is, and just they never had a uh, or the or the designers named it, but there was never a chance to say it in the in the in the, in the movies. Listen, it's a fucking toy. Who gives a fuck? No, dude, I know, but it's 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 whatever. Anyway, I think Fire Spray is a is a cooler name than Boba Fett Starship. Thank God. Uh, does it make me happier? No. Um, but. Still slave one to me, damn it. Oh, absolutely. All day, every day, twice on Sunday. You can call it fucking ocean spray and put fucking cranberries in it. I'm not calling it fucking fire spray. It's fucking ridiculous. Anyhow, uh, the cool thing, though, that Boba Fett did fucking, which I did pop for and I do do now, I don't call it light speed anymore. I call it jump speed. Jump speed. Go to jump speed. So maybe it's different. Maybe, like, you know, different models of different ships have different uh, capabilities and maybe jump speed is just a little less than light speed. And then you got hopscotch speed and then you what got about ludicrous speed, ludicrous speed. We know. Go! <laughs> I can't stop. It's too dangerous. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. Did you hear the, uh, did you watch the visions trailer? It dropped. I did watch the visions trailer. So I had a what big your thoughts? with my son about this, uh, earlier today. Um, he was like, you see the business trailer? And if you don't, you know, for the un- unindoctrinated, the business trailer is basically the new Star Wars animated Japanese studio show that's coming out that's going to be short, non-canical from what I heard. Um, episodes done by about seven different uh, world-famous Japanese Magna Studios that are doing uh, some their take on Star Wars. Um, I saw the trailer, much like every other Japanese animation thing that I've seen. It's extremely muddled and extremely all over the place and, you know, speed lines and funny looking kids and also the shit that's happening. That really doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I'm not so excited about it. My son is much more excited about it. I don't know why. Um, but uh, again, of course, it's Star Wars. What's better than Star Wars, Papadon? More Star Wars? Yeah, more Star Wars. So I'm going to give it a chance, clearly. Um, but I don't have a lot of hopes for it, especially for the fact that it's very non-canonical, and the like one character I recognized there would look like a very uh, chibi-style Boba Fett, where he was kind of short and pudgy. So like an Alvin Alvarez? Exactly. Gotcha. An old-school stockade. Yes. Um, I'm with you, man. I'm not feeling it. I'm going to accept it. Like, like duh, what does he say? Uh, Lando says in Solo, I like it. No. Oh, I don't like deal? it, but I'll accept it. Something like that, yeah. So, it is what it is. Maybe it might surprise us and we might actually like it when it comes out. Who knows? But when I saw the trailer, I went, meh, whatever. Exactly. Like, you're not adding canon. Nobody's getting over regarding the storylines. Uh, uh, speaking of over. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we do a segment here on the New Force Order called Who is More Over? Now, I know what you're saying to yourself. I have no idea what that means because it doesn't make any grammatical sense. Over is wrestling terminology. It means becoming popular with the fans. Now, we take two aspects of Star Wars. It's a person, a place, thing. doesn't necessarily matter what it is, who it is. And we incorporate it into this contest, and we see what is more over or who is more over with you, the fans. All 16 of you. That's right, Doc. We have 16 fans now. Um, but most importantly, who's more over with us? So, Doc, please tell them who is on the marquee tonight. Okay, on the marquee tonight for who's more over. We uh, do a little uh, go back to the Bad Batch again. We've been using a lot of Bad Batch characters and the crew Tick. lately. Tick, Omega, Echo. Um, and we look at. Hunter. We do, we do another, actually, another Bad Batch versus Rebels comparison here. So we got in one corner from the Bad Batch, the resident muscle of the crew, my man, your man, Rekka. Cavalry has arrived. Rekka, get him out. Get back. Rekka, um, versus the looks like Chewbacca after he got rolled in a fucking uh, vat of nair. Um, our boy from uh, Rebels and the Ghost Crew, Zeb. My name's Zeb. Zeb, he's his own new alien species, and you could tell just from the size of him. He's the muscle of the group, but he's he's not just a dumb thug. We always wanted him to have a different angle. I think, I think the first thing that catches people off guard is Zeb's voice. It's possible I might be a little late. The thing they don't really realize about Zeb is that he is a well-trained honor guard. He, on his home planet, would have been revered for his fighting skills and well-educated. Zeb actually is pretty articulate and witty and funny. Um, that sort of juxtaposed with what he looks like makes for an interesting character. My name is Steve Bloom and I play the character of Zeb, also known as Gerazeb Aurelios, but only to his mum. He's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder. He um, hates Chopper, can't stand him. Is starting to build a relationship with Ezra begrudgingly, I think. No, 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 no way! You cannot be serious! Fun fact, Doc. Um, the Zeb character is the initial Macquarie design for Chewbacca that it's, was it's, not it's used. Definitely based off of that, you could see the the resemblance of the oh, Zeb no, character. No, it's more there. than a resemblance, dude. It's not. Well, it's not one hundred percent, but it's definitely. I would it's say definitely it's like ninety nine point seven percent, a little less. You know, okay. that's what the CDC said. Oh wait, what are we yeah. talking about? Uh -huh. <laughs> You still won't believe it. Anyway, um, so let's go to the polls here. Go to, <laughs> go to Facebook. Put on your tin hat, boys. Buckle up. Ooh, it's going to be Bumpy Ride. It's going to be Bumpy Ride. By the most narrowest of margins, it seems that our boy Wrecker outshines our boy Zeb 60 to 40. Wow. Interesting. All right. Moving on to the Instagram. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Ooh, did I fucking forget putting it on there? Yeah, I did. Motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't have an Instagram one. We don't have an Instagram one, but uh, 60-40 records moreover. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, 
we have an email address that you guys could send us uh, your answers to regarding this segment or any other segment that we do. Uh, it's newforsorty at yahoo.com. And guess what? Uh, I'm not reading any fucking emails tonight because we're a little long in the tooth right now thanks to those long lists. So we'll, maybe we'll touch base on it next week. But uh, let's, get, let's go to the opinions that matter. Spiro, what's more important or what's more over to you? Is it uh, Rekka? Rekka! Or Karabast? Zeb. Who's moreover coming to you live from my personal sauna, a.k.a. my car? Fucking AC is down, goddammit, and I just don't seem to find enough time in the day to go fix it. But that doesn't matter. What does matter is one corner we got Wrecker. From the Bad Batch. In the other corner, we got Zeb Aurelius, the alien guy with the Greek last name uh, from the Ghost Crew. You know, I really like both guys. Um, but I got to go with Wrecker because Bad Batch is what's over right now, ladies and gentlemen. You know, uh, hopefully we see Zeb pop up and some more shit uh, down the line as far as Disney animation and games and all that. I mean, I think that that a Ghost Crew game would be cool. You know, imagine them making a Ghost Crew game where you're going to look for Ezra and shit, you know. Um, that could be interesting. What else? Um, but yeah, man, that's that. That's that's who's more over with me. Wrecker, the Bad Batch. Looking forward to season two, even though I haven't finished season one yet. Thanks, Spiro. That was great. Always great coming out from you, Spiro the Great. So, Doc, do you want me to go first? You want to go first? I'll go first. It's fine. Um, so when I first saw Zeb, I really thought, I guess maybe because, you know, subliminally is the, it's the McQuarrie drawings that you talked about, his initial drawings. I was like, this guy's like just a fucking Chewbacca, cheap Chewbacca ripoff. That's, you know, supposed to be funny and campy and, you know, having the bad attitude. Um, and I don't know, like, I watch a lot of Rebels and he never really took to me. I don't know, for some reason, I just never really had an affinity for that character. Um, though he was cool. I, I never had an affinity for him. And he was an integral part of the Ghost Crew. But, uh, you know, our boy Wrecker on the other side of the Bad Batch over there, um, I think he provides a lot of things for the team. He's the muscle, like we said. You know, he's the guy who's always gets stuck lugging the fucking shit around like the thing does in the, the Fantastic Four. He's always carrying stretches, uh, you know, equipment from across the lab to one spot to the other. He's always, uh, you know, doing the heavy, the heavy work. Um, he also has this very lighthearted, childlike um, way about him, which I think is is very not in line with what they do and who they are the, as the Bad Batch. Um, and then he's the comedy relief, which, you know, you got to love comedy relief at some point, too. You know, he's the guy that everybody kind of pokes fun at, makes fun at, makes fun of himself and does the dumb shit. Um, and I like the arc they gave him where he almost made that fucking heel turn. He was so close to it. He was just on the on the cusp of it. He broke. They, you know, they got him. They finally, like, you know, were able to get him straight and go from there because, you know, the what if of that, if he was the one who broke loose during that time and what, what would have happened to the rest of the crew I don't think it would have bode so well for them because I think he would have potentially tore them apart um, along with Omega. So for me, um, character development and likability, it's going to be Wrecker. 
Fun fact about that that scene: they actually had to edit and cut out and leave stuff on the uh, cutting room floor because it, there are certain scenes that they felt it was too scary for children. Yeah. So I thought that oh, was an interesting. Fuck them kids. <laughs> so Wu Tang called them up and said, "Listen, Wu Tang's for the children. We got to put a kibosh on those scenes." And they're like, "Okay, Mister Wu Tang, no problem." So, all right, well, Doc, I, I, you know what? Everything you said, I'm gonna piggyback on and say you, you are 100 spot on. And again, we agree very much amongst a lot of your valid points. The one thing I did like about Zeb, though, he did was that old school, stern, military esque individual who was suffering from PTSD because of his thinking his people died. Um, and he was also the older brother that would always argue with um, Ezra. Um, he wasn't comedy relief. He did say cool lines like Carabast. He was, you could say, the muscle of the crew. Uh, but there's something about Rekka that you just hit the nail on the head and changed my opinion. Because I was going to pick Zeb. But because Rekka is a man of many different things, he is the comic relief. He is the childhood uh Mental childhood one of the dumb one out of the crew if you want to say dumb I would say more child like you said lighthearted while everybody else is either Paint by the numbers. Yes, sir. No, sir. This guy's he's rather go get his fucking Mantel mix with Omega and be happy, you know, um, and he loves blowing shit up. So I'm gonna pick by the slightest of margins right now because you convinced me I'm gonna pick Rekka. Nice um, and that's it. So, ladies and nice. gentlemen. Solid pick, man. Solid pick. Thank you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, send your emails to newforceorderyahoo.com. So, um, and maybe we'll read them. Um, since we're talking about the Bad Batch and everything Filoni touches turns to fucking gold. Both. I love gold. <laughs> I got to see you fucking cosplay like that guy. That'd be dope. And we get Sharon. We get Sharon dressed up as Mini Me. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Bad Batch may tease Legends accurate Thrawn story in the Mandalorian timeline. Did you pick up on this on the uh, finale? I did not. No, please shoot. Star Wars may be setting up a Legends accurate Thrawn story, which is the Thrawn trilogy, in the Mandalorian era. Uh, the Bad Batch season one ended with Nala Say, not Mama Say, Mama Sa, Mama Kusa, aka Nala Say, taken to a mysterious imperial facility in order to pass on the secrets of the Kaminoan cloning. This design of the facility visually corresponds with Mount Tantis. In the Thrawn trilogy, one of the Emperor's treasure houses in the old expanded universe, which Thrawn used as a major base of operations. And he does indeed seem to be operating in the area around Wayland in the Mandalorian era, too. It looks as though Lucasfilm really is going to tell a fairly accurate Thrawn trilogy. All I oh. could say is, yeah, boy. That would be for the, the best scenario possible. Listen, we said it before, we say it again. In Filoni and Favreau, we trust. But in actuality, I have a feeling 
uh, Filoni and Favreau will do whatever they do in the in the thirty year gap between Jedi and the Force Awakens, and everything they're going to do is going to add so many layers of clarity, so many layers of nostalgia, and so many layers. Of connective tissue that they're gonna make the sequel trilogy great, and everybody is gonna say, you know what, they weren't really that bad of a movie. Now that yeah. I understand who this one is, why this one is like that, so on and so forth. I mean, there's even rumors going around that John Boyega, I sent you the video, this dropped yeah. today, is gonna be doing a Disney Plus series. And yeah. you remember his famous lines? What was his famous yeah. line, Doc? Fuck you, Disney. Oh, what the fuck, you Disney? <laughs> Sorry. You ain't going to Disney plus me, right? That's right. And then he came out and said, oh, you guys yeah. didn't treat me well. Yeah, show me the all- Disney plus money, big dog. Exactly. So the supposedly the rumored series is supposed to take place uh, and explain his origin and how he got abducted and put into the first order and then touch base about afterwards what happens after 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 uh episode nine where they might dive into his force sensitivity you know you know you know you know what i'm gonna interrupt you for a second right ask me if i give a fuck about john boyega right now okay let me look left let me look right doc i want to see you a burning man doc but doc seriously do you give a flying rat's ass or a flying wet noodle fuck about John Boyega. I do not, Papa Don. You want to know why? Because this prick, we talked about it before, burned all his bridges with Disney. And then fucking suddenly, by fucking the magic of inclusion, he is back in the fucking fold. And now potentially getting a series. I don't give a shit about Finn. They maybe not give a shit about him right after The Force Awakens. Completely irrelevant for me. Fuck you and your series. I'm not even going to watch it. You know how they brought him back, right? How they bring him back? Uh, uh, cloning Sith alchemy. Yeah, Sith alchemy, exactly. Anyway, uh, that was my poor attempt at a joke. So, Star Wars confirms. I don't know if we touched base on this in a prior show. Uh, I think we might have touched base on the R two D two Obi one recognition. Uh, on on Millennium Falcon in Episode Four, where he says to uh, R two D two, "It's good flying with you once again, old friend." But um, Star Wars confirms Yoda recognized R two D two in The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back. You finally got that book, right, Doc? I do. I have it, I, but I, I've read like three chapters out of it so far. Oh, it's three more than I read, so don't worry about it. I don't even have the book. From a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back finally reveals that Yoda did recognize the droid, but just shrugged it off. A recent publication, which is retelling the events from the point of view of other characters, dedicates a chapter to Yoda, wherein he notices that Luke's companion is actually the same R2 unit from the days of the Clone Wars. Here's the excerpt that details this scene from his perspective. And, quote, carefully moving through the swamp while staying beneath the fog, Yoda soon spotted the boy and his droid unpacking their supplies. Even though the droid was caked with algae, dirt, and stomach fluid, its appearance and familiar blips were still quite recognizable. 
R2-D2. Of Of course the boy had Anakin's old droid with him. Such cycles of fate no longer surprise the 900-year-old Jedi. So there you have it, one of the biggest plot holes. Being retconned by Lucasfilm, but not retconned in a way where you're like, I don't buy it. What do you? What's your take? In my opinion, yeah, I mean, I I think it's fine. I think they they needed some clarity about you know that at some point for the last you know twenty thirty years, and and here it is, and the fact that Yoda just brushes it off like, yeah, yeah, this is just fate. It should happen like this all the time. I think it's even better because it just shows how much Yoda is like, yeah, whatever, who gives a shit? Yeah, fuck your droid, Luke. Exactly. You ruined your X-wing. Um. Star Wars officially makes Clone Commandos the Empire's first Imperial Guard. Did you read this? Did. What's your take on it? Why don't you take the reins on this? Uh, so, you know, they're talking about our friends from the uh, the very last two episodes of the Clone Wars, the Republic Commandos, you know, from that video game, who now are the Empire Empire Commandos, seem to be like the, the precursor to the Emperor's Royal Guard because they are the ones who are protecting all of the high-target assets. So, you know, they're bringing these specialized commandos into the light, um, which is, I think, is a little bit different than the Dark Horse comic books origin of the Emperor's Royal Guards, where they, um, you know, they were all like, you know, the, the Navy SEALs of the uh, of the of the Empire world where they 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 um, they trained and they, you know, fought within each other's ranks and they had their own different sects of their uh, S-E-C-T-S, not S-E-X, of um, of uh, Emperor's Royal Guards and had to push themselves through to be the best of the best. Um, but, you know, precursor doesn't mean they're an exact derivative from them. It just means that they were the start of it. So I'm, I'm, I, I think I could buy that. And, and speaking of, Pop, I'll show you over here, the Crimson Empire, you know, the new Star Wars... Um, uh, action figures came out with the Star Wars Black series, and this is one of the protagonists of that Dark Horse series, Connor Jax, who was the Emperor's Royal Guard um, in his uh, on on the red team over there um, through that uh, that storyline that was at least I think six or seven series um, about the uh, the Royal Guards, which is great. If you you know if you want to get some really good Star Wars stuff with a lot of really great um, paintings by Dave Dorman. This is the yeah. This is where to get it. Very cool, very cool. Um, <sighs> the Empire Guard. Um, uh, sure, whatever. I mean, they're protecting all the assets. You said correct. Yep. So they're watching over all the hookers and blow for the Empire. Right, I right. got it. Got it. Anything Tony, else you want to add? That's Tony Montana of the of the, uh, the Empire over there. Say hello to my little friend, man. You look like you haven't had been fucked in jails. Anyway. Uh, well, one thing I'll add is that uh, Mark Hamill also had another tweet this week. It was uh, an outtake of his famous scene where he was oh, on yeah. Empire Strikes Back, where the he chops off Darth Vader's helmet head and the helmet falls and explodes and to reveal Luke's face in there. And he, there was an outtake that I've never seen the photo before. That's why I thought it was funny um, of Mark Hamill smiling inside the mask while he's lying on the floor. Which goes to show you that really was Mark Hamill lying down in yeah. the mask. It wasn't it like a fake head. Prosthetic, yeah. Which I always thought it was. Yeah, I you know thought what it was I mean? as well, too. But hey, why don't you save some money? Use a real guy. Fuck it. <laughs> I like it even more. Fix it close. That's it, buddy. 
hopefully someone fixes this show in post too. We find Doubt some uh, some new producer. Um. Anyway, uh, anything else, Doc? That's it, man. I think we can take it home today. All right, let's blow this journey and go home. Uh, let them know where we can find you at. You can find me at Doctor Dr underscore Destroyo D E S T R O I O Instagram. Alex Royo MD Twitter, Alex Royo on Facebook, and Dr. Underscore Destroyo on the TikTok, which I've been actually liking a lot more lately. Thank you. Thank you, China. <laughs> hey, Spiro the Great, where they can find you at? Been great, Spiro. Thanks for joining us this week. Uh, you can find me at Greek Papadon on Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, man, it's been great. But you can also find me, God knows where the fuck, aside from work these days. But if, but check out the Rational Rage Network. Uh, have you know? There's other guys doing doing things there. Uh, you got wrestling shows. You got fucking doomsday prepper shows. Uh, on Instagram, Spiro underscore A, Darth underscore Spiridon, and that's it, guys. Uh, Demetrius Papadon on Facebook. Greek out Papadon is a YouTube page. Subscribe. Like, comment, hit the notification bell. Pro Wrestling Tees slash Greek Guy Papadon. Go buy my t-shirts. Uh, there's also a, 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 an option now on Pro Wrestling Tees where you can get video messages from your favorite wrestlers. So go get a video message from GGP. You want me to roast you? You want me to praise you? You want me to tell you something sexy, baby? No worries. Pay me my money. Fuck you, pay me. Like they say, casino. You don't got your money? Fuck you, pay me. Um, anyhow. Uh... You can find all of us together collectively at NFO underscore podcast on Twitter. New Force Order on Instagram, official New Force Order on Facebook, and New Force Order at Yahoo.com is the email. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for giving us the opportunity to hopefully entertain you, definitely enlighten you, and uh, always do what we do best. No, that's not. Anyway. Uh, what we do is we get Star Wars more over with you. And us, as a faction, will never get ourselves over on the expense of Star Wars. Thank you, Mr. McMahon. Yala. No. Uh, this has been another exciting edition of the New Force Order. Life. And that's just too sweet. Doc, you're frozen. I just had to carry all the load. Usually you do all the load carrying in your mouth. But anyway, henceforth, execute order NFO. <laughs> But if he can be turned to the dark side Yes, he'd be a powerful ally Another dark Jedi He will join us or die We got Death Star 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 We got Death Star